Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you and Drake, our special guest. Her latest book is called The Energetic Dimensions. She also has one called Healing of the Soul. We'll take calls with Anne next hour here on Coast to Coast. What would you say, Anne, would be the most effective way to get into that mode to be able to do these incredible things that shamans do? Just meditation, relaxing, yoga, what, what would do it? Well, um, definitely meditation and yoga can really help. It's um, the ability to really center yourself and to drop in really deeply so you can hear and see and feel what's going on around you. And currently we're so directed outward um, to everything that's going on and to all the gadgets we have that we often short-circuit our connection with ourselves. And so in, in some ways, if you can take problems or issues that you're worried about and sit with them in meditation, prayer, um, nature bathing, like walking in the woods, you can just get quiet and then you can start to he- hear and sense and feel different things that are happening. Um so there are many ways to access it, and it depends on your own comfort with certain practices. But uh, getting quiet and still is key. And allowing yourself to honor what you know and sense. Like, you can walk in, well, now we can't, but we used to be able to yeah. walk into... <laughs> can't go anywhere anymore. Right, yes, a room where, you know, um, at a party where you didn't know a lot of people, and you could almost... Um, immediately kind of sense who you wanted to talk to and who you didn't, that's an energetic knowing and understanding. But we don't honor that enough. I know every major mistake I made in my life, I overrode my internal knowing. Mm -hmm. Because we tend to think, oh, well, that was just a feeling, or that was just me being stupid or silly, as opposed to really... Uh, saying, okay, that, this is telling me something, and I need to trust it and honor it. So I think that's um, a very important um, practice to do, is to when you have those feelings and um, awarenesses come over you to honor them. Just like mine was really strong to go back to Borneo, and if I hadn't gone back, I wouldn't have uh, re-met my teacher. That's you know, a good point. My whole yeah. life changed. <laughs> so... Um, it's important to follow those hunches. You are big on the importance of compassion. Tell me about that. Well, compassion um, is what the world needs right now. We need um, um, compassion for ourselves and for each other. It, it cultivates um, patience. It cultivates understanding, and it, it's key for healing. I've never worked with anyone who was able to fully heal without developing self-compassion. When you have self-compassion, you can have compassion for others. Most people, um, if they don't like themselves about something, they will not like it in other people, but it's called projection, where you disavow your own reality, but you put it onto other people. So, um, you know, if people, if someone... um, feels embarrassed about how they look, they'll comment on the time about how everyone else looks and think they look fine. You know, that's kind of dynamic of putting it on others, what we feel. And 
that can happen with all sorts of things. But that energy goes out instead of owning it for yourself. But if we are compassionate, then um, we can shift the vibration around us. And right now we live in a culture where things are right or wrong, black or white, good or bad. And things are much more complex than that. And so if someone did something horrible, to hold them in compassion and try and understand maybe what was going on that they did that. And that's also where our karmic past can come in. Like if we killed someone in a crime of passion in another lifetime, we can have empathy for someone who does it now because we realize how in a second you can snap and lose it. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone who hasn't experienced that will just think the person's bad and evil for doing what they did. Is compassion like forgiveness? Um, Yes, yes. It's like a, um, a way of holding something... Not, it's not about not taking responsibility, but it's about saying, okay, I really messed up, mm-hmm. and I have to forgive myself, but I have to learn from it. Every time we make a mistake, if we think of it as a teaching, then we can um, grow from that. Well, you know, there are a lot of people, for example, and who are in prison that I think we should all forgive. There are some others that you can't. I mean, for example... If somebody's drunk and uh, sadly kills a member of the family that you care about, I could forgive that for that tragic mistake. But Mm -hmm. I can't forgive someone who would go out and murder somebody uh, heinously. Um, Not accidentally, but heinously. I can't forgive that. Now, does that mean there's something wrong with me because I can't forgive that person? No, doesn't because that's sort of a normal response, especially if that person is more embodying really sort of a sociopathic, dark energy that shows no remorse or forgiveness. I mean, there are a lot of people in prison who have killed someone who realize the grievousness of their act and have done their best to heal and transform. So I think there's that difference between forgiving someone who has worked to um, heal and transform and understand and grow versus someone who, the second I get out, I'm going to get revenge on the person that put me in and I'm going to kill him. You know, there's a slight difference that way. Do you understand? There's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. So I think we have to allow for people to grow and change. And we tend to, you know... You make one mistake and you're done. <laughs> you know, for, you know, we do that in our relationships. Oh, well, they said this to me. I don't want to be with them anymore. You know, we, right. we don't give people the space to make mistakes. You deal a lot with energy, and of course, uh, all of us at some time in our lives have met psychic vampires, people who just can suck the living daylights out of energy right. out of people. Some right. of them are good people. They're nice people. They just don't know they have this trait about them. Others, I think, might be doing it on purpose. Where do you stand with those kinds of folks? Well, um, anyone who's sucking energy from another person has an enormous amount of soul loss. So they're trying to fill up their soul by taking other people's energies. But they They may not know they're doing it. They don't know they're doing it, and that can be a dynamic in families where there are certain family members that are so empty 
that they suck the energy out of their children, and that can go on from generation to generation, that they're sort of energetic vampires that are, are taking someone else's energy. Unfortunately, in shamanic work, you can get that energy back, heal and transform it, so it doesn't have to be a permanent condition. And then there are people um, that um, are trying to amass power by taking other people's souls. And that's sort of what happens in cult abuse, you know, and, and when they, you know, have sacrifices, particularly yeah. of infants, because their souls are so pure, they're trying to... Like Jim to, Jones and people, David Koresh, people like that, who have um, had this ability to have people follow them, right. but they kind of controlled every living aspect of their lives. Exactly. But to be controlled like that, you've had to have a lots of trauma and lots of soul loss and looking for someone to lead you. Um, and with a lack of awareness of that in our culture, people are easily manipulated out of their fear or emptiness into doing or believing things that aren't in their own self-interest and uh, really for, and that further their soul loss. So it's important to realize the energies you carry that might be your own, which is sort of the whole idea behind my book is to realize that often the energies that we absorb from other people, so like if someone's sucking your soul out, they're leaving their energy behind in you. <laughs> so, And you don't want you. that. You don't want that, but you think it's you, especially if it happens to you when a, you're a little kid. It feels like it's who you've always been. Like when you're an adult and it happens, you can kind of like, well, I feel different. You know, I don't feel good. I feel like something's out of whack, but when it happens to you when you're young, you feel like that's who you are. Um, and so that's much more serious in terms of how one one's identity. What's the most important thing you think you learned from a shaman? Um, well, I think about the power of um, positive energy to heal, and that there's an infinite amount of healing energy in the universe that's free and available to all of us. And that's what you draw on when you're, when you're healing someone. You're not using your own energy. You're just connecting with that source. And just like right now, every day I do a meditation for sending, um, or visualization, whatever you want to call it, sending healing energy to the planet to try and heal the virus but also to heal the vibration of greed, hate, and, um, and fear, which is permeating the culture, too, because we have to heal those energies for us to be free to be our complete selves. Well, that's, uh, that's the, the best way to do it, I think. And yeah. At, at, at what point, if you had a group of people together... Uh, and you were having like a session about this. The, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're reading from the energetic dimension. What do you think most people would want to know from you? Would want to know about the energetic dimension? Just, just about what you do, how you wrote this book, what it means to them. What do you think? What do you think those questions would be? Well, it's intended to help you come to know yourself better and to see the ways in which there are all these veils that create how we perceive 
um, reality and how that reality that we perceive is somewhat arbitrary and may not honor our core essence. So it's all about getting to the core essence of who we are and not carrying um, certain messages from our families that might be harmful or certain beliefs that and prejudice we might have carried from other lifetimes and certainly from um, cultural messages um, that we get. And one um, sort of profound awareness for me about um, the way in which our culture can influence how we perceive reality, when I first was in the Peace Corps in Borneo, I was young and I had long dark hair and I'm white and so I had pale skin. And there was a um, vampire named Pointianic who would seduce men and suck the life force out of them. And I was told never to go out at night, which was challenging because we had floating outhouses over the river. Jeez, <laughs> so you know, if you had to yourself, you had to go out. So, um, because um, people would see me and think I was pointyotic and they might kill me. And I said, well, can't you tell the difference between a spirit and a person? And they said, no, they look equally the same. So I went from a culture that denied the reality of that dimension to one in which it's Um, seamless. You know, you can't tell the difference. (laughs) So that's an example of how we perceive reality differently depending on our culture. And that's certainly true with religious belief and just even how we um, celebrate holidays and which holidays are important to us. Um, And how do people protect themselves against some of these unwanted energies that uh, try to hit you? Well, there are a couple of ways. The most effective is if you channel divine light into your crown chakra and then you bring it down and send it out your heart and fill up your whole energy field. In that action, you're sort of one with all that is and you're filled with light, so you're protecting your field and um, you're also sending light to other people. However, it's hard to be in that state all the time. So um, another way is we all have guides, spirit guides, and power animals. And um, when I teach, I always make everyone find, you know, protectors in the six directions, which is, you know, north, south, east, and west, but above and below, and where we're energetically vulnerable. So um, if you were yelled at as a child, you're going to be energetically vulnerable to screaming. <laughs> so that might be a vulnerability. Or if you're in a family of addicts, you're going to be energetically vulnerable to addiction. So it's like having protections for those kind of things. But, you know, you can ask for protection from your guides when driving. I mean, I've been in snowstorms. I live in the Northeast where, you know, they all of a sudden come on you and you can't even see. And you just I ask my guides to get me home safely, and they always do, or, you know, to protect your field when going outside um, in these challenging times. Um, Or if you know you're going to be around someone who's an energy sucker to, Mm -hmm. you know, put up a protective um, barrier. And sometimes when I'm working with people that are carrying a lot of dark energy, I'll even go inside you know, I'll merge with um, a power animal and I'll work from inside that energetic protection so that my field will be protected. 
So if you're going to do this work, you have to protect your field. And I think that concept can apply to today just going out to try and protect your field from the virus, which is unseen as, you know, other energies that we pick up. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.